Here I'm Vincent Cooper. This is called Orans. My father held me up to the ceiling, 32-year-old, drunkenly yelling at relatives in the room. He was God, and I was his son. I don't remember looking down at my family or mother apologizing when they exited. 1984, mother grasps my arm, walking toward his thick mustache in Almanser Park. Stillness in the pine trees, empty baseball diamonds, a silent sweep in Tai Chi poses. Hello, Paul. Call him dad, he's your father. Paul sits on the field next to a jogging trail. Mother is arm's length. Soft words are spoken. I can't hear them. Playing on the exercise equipment, watching their last kiss. Reaching up to the pull-up bar, Paul rises slowly to assist. Four-year-old hands grip to hang on. Come on, Vincent, pull, pull. Hanging losing my grip finger by slippery finger giant hands momentarily secure my ribs blades of hair on each dorsal pushing my body up over the bar grinning over at her we have to go in iran's distraught mother cinches my elbow marching faster away glancing over my shoulder to god's darkened frown in the back seat, mother says, count the palm trees until I sleep, each tree careening off the car window. Retrospect, fourth grade teacher, 1989. What do you wanna be when you grow up, Coop? I don't know, come on. Do you wanna be a fireman, a police officer? Can I tell the weather like Dallas rains? the meteorologist on TV. Yes, I wanna grow up and have cool hair and toss it around while telling everyone what the weather is. Coworker, 2000. A Marine, you hate the government and George Bush. Why would you choose to protect him to be a robot? You're crazy. 12 year old daughter, 2015. Dad, can I have all your Marine Corps uniforms? Yes, you can have my camis. They don't fit anymore. Retrospect, 2020. I should have been a Chicano weatherman in Southern California. This is called Johnny. Mama told Johnny not to go downtown. Marine Corps recruiter was a hanging around. My stepson says he wants to be a Marine like me. A Marine like me, a Marine like me. You're not gonna hack it, I say. You can't even wake up at 6 a.m. There's no urgency in your body. You're not ready. Just go to college, be an engineer for NASA. Your grandma wants you to fight for Trump and Jesus Christ to settle you down and make a man out of you. You're not gonna make it. And I'll be damned if you come home on a Greyhound bus, dishonorable discharge forever. I won't let you down, he says. Yes, you will. This isn't the same core. You can try to be an airman like your bio dad. There's no way you'll survive the Marines. 
you won't even make it past the scale at Metz. He pushes the portholes up the bridge of his nose, his cold stare. 18 years ago, I picked up the phone to hear my tío say, I heard you want to be a jarhead. Mijo, you're not going to make it. You'll never be able to hack it. I know you and your personality. You won't make it. I can't stop you. Stop eating tacos. Let me know how it goes. Yes, sir. One day at 2 a.m. while we were sleeping, Johnny left us for a girl and Zenial freedom. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. You are joining us on Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. I'm Tony Diaz, the Libre Traficante, author of The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital. And I have to pause here and tell folks that KPFT is a listener-sponsored radio program, which is why during prime time in the fourth largest city in America, you can listen to Chica Next Poetry streaming out for free throughout this huge city because we can convey our terms on our terms. So I ask you then, if you can, to budget a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say to KPFT to make sure that we can keep doing what we're doing so that this wonderful experiment of freedom of speech can continue. And you can donate by going to kpft.org or you can dial 713-526-573. And I'll remind you throughout this broadcast but I want you to understand that instead of inserting commercials in those particular segments, we're just reminding you that we are the only station broadcasting our art and culture right now. And additionally, because we are high-tech Aztecs, you can also experience this on our podcast programs. Today, we have a special friend with us. You got to hear his poem uh, at the top of the show. We wanted to jump in this way just to begin a little bit differently and to give you a feel for the works. We're going to have him read additional pieces. But first, I got to say hi to him because he's a dear friend of, of mine and Nuestra Palabra. Vincent, great to say hi to you through the magic of technology. Como estas? I'm good, sir. It's good to see you. I, I feel like I've seen you more in the last year. And uh, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, I know COVID kind of put a damper on a lot and uh, it's been good to see you here in San Antonio and, and uh, having me on here. I really appreciate it. No, no, likewise. And I'm glad we really had a chance to to convene, hang out. And I want to remind folks that it's been wonderful to feature you at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And I'll remind folks that you will be returning with, uh, you know, with this book as well. So if folks want to get their hands on Infidelis, they can visit the Latino Bookstore and we appreciate that we have this bastion of cultura there. But I really do appreciate you supporting other writers, giving of your time, and always working with us for all these years. So fantastic to 
to get to say hi. Yeah. And I want to let folks know that you're going to read a, a lot of poems from Infidelis. So I do want folks to, to know a little bit more about you. I'm going to go ahead and tell them, but want them to know that, hey, we got poems coming up and we'll chat for a little bit. We're going to have more poems. So today we're going to flood the airwaves <laughs> with, uh, with great poetry. But uh, you are the author of Where the Reckless Ones Come to Die from our friends at Atlan Libre Press, Sasamora Poetry of Survival from Jade Publishing, and Infidelis, which is coming out from our friends at Mouthfield Press. Always love working with them. You're a Chicano Marine Corps veteran and Macondista based in San Antonio, Texas. Your poems have been in such fine publications as Wisache, River's Edge, Dryland Lit, and Somos en Escrito. You know what I love about this particular book, and I don't want to take too much time from you reading additional poems, but to me, sometimes when people stereotype Chicano literature or ethnic studies or Mexican-American studies, they think that for some reason there's a, a chasm between the, the whole experience of being a veterano in the military and our culture and that's not the case at all and i think too there's this powerful legacy of chicano writers talking about the military um you know of course in different eras you've got the uh, oral history project at the university of texas which was formed around telling the stories originally of mexican americans during world war ii because that generation was dying off i think what's powerful is that you're filling in the rest of that history all the way up to 9-11. Is that fair to say a little bit about the legacy of this of this particular collection? That's so spot on, Tony. Uh, truly, I grew up with a Vietnam veteran. Uh, my father wasn't around, so my tío was, uh, it, well, he's still alive. Uh, he's from the west side of San Antonio, went to Vietnam, you know, Brackenridge High guy. So that was the constant influence uh, there. And I'm still a part of a time where, you know, mom said, you know, you're 18, you know, you're going to leave, you're going to move out. And your options are, you know, get a job or go to the military. You know, college still wasn't the the option, especially for me, since I was, you know, not great in high school, I didn't have a high GPA or anything. And I was in Vegas at the time. So the military was just on my peripheral, you know, and and my uncle wasn't necessarily pushing it on me. So I worked, I got into the workforce right away. We call it general population. And um, when the jobs weren't panning out either, you know, I had to come to a decision, you know, are you gonna, what are you gonna do? And arrogantly, I'm like, well, I'll just join the Marines. I mean, anyone can do it kind of a thing. And, and so I did, and, and it was under dramatic situations, relationship problems, uh, you know, I was at that critical point. So. That was part of the uh, enlisting part, but um, I definitely wanted to capture a book from this era. Mm. And it's no disrespect to anyone from the Vietnam veteran era. I absolutely think that those stories are crucial and need to be mm. archived and put out. Also, the Gulf War constantly gets overlooked um, as far as, as books from Chicanos go. Mm. And then now here in 9-11, you know, a lot of these military folks that came back within the last few years and and hopefully they're sitting down and writing their story if not you know maybe this book will help them you know steer them to do that
on that note, I would love it if you could share three poems with us and then we'll, we'll talk about them. And I want to remind our listeners, you are experiencing the cutting edge of Chica Next literature here on Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say 90.1 FM KPFT. No one else on commercial radio on independent radio is bringing you this level of craft this deep from the community. So I hope you can right now pitch in to make sure that this program stays on the air. You can donate to kpft.org or call 713-526-5738. Make a donation. Tell me supporting Nuestra Palabra Latino Writers Heaven to say, right now you're about to listen to poems by Vincent Cooper from his brand new collection, which will be featured at the Latino Bookstore. And it is titled Infidelis. Vincent the mic is all yours. So I'm Vincent Cooper. This is Infidelis. This poem is called Brothers. Epigraph. All in all is all we are. Nirvana. His name was Fitz. His feet stunk up the room. All of our eyes watered up watching him peel green socks off. Black toenails. He was from Seattle and we bonded over Kurt Cobain. Post high school, Cobain was our Christ. Our generation before September 11 only wanted to die. We talk about the punk rock band we hadn't formed and how we didn't fit the Marine Corps prototype. Dolph Lundgren pointing an M16 at the sky, muscles blasting out of a camouflage blouse, stone cold blue eyes, spiky blonde hair, dog tags resting on sweaty pecs. Fitz said, I can't be here. I'm going UA. Go with me, man. I laughed and walked with him to the entrance of the School of Infantry. As soon as the gate opens, I'm running for it. Oceanside, California, water, sand, freeway, and non-judicial punishment. The barbed wire gate opened. He ran. 20 minutes afterward, an empty room. A platoon sergeant winced, held his aching knee and said, you two Hollywood Marines don't want to be here. I'm from the island and my fellow Marine is my brother. If you boys want to be here, get your ass out there and we'll forget about all of this. Fitz, red faced, said he was sorry and thanked me for supporting him. Nine Eleven in San Antonio on leave. I turn on the 50-inch TV. It's New York, news channel muted. The coffee maker has cockroaches escaping molded coffee grains, smashing them with my hand then wiping off with my shirt. Roach legs remain stuck on me while the remains are on the floor. I clean out the coffee maker in the sink and create a filter with napkins left over from a taqueria. In the cup, I pour expired board and milk, five spoons of sugar, 
then brewed Yuban coffee. Sitting on the couch, changing the channel, each station showing the towers on fire. Then another plane collides into the World Trade Center, the people inside jumping out of windows to their deaths. I knew you shouldn't have joined. Now you're going to war. I called my Theo in California, the Vietnam veteran. He laughs and says, you're not going to war. Call your recruiter. No answer. After 9-11, I flew into Palm Springs, get taken by Corporal Macias in a blue Volkswagen Beetle to 29 Palms. So this is the fleet. I'm introduced to the Marines I will work with as a Marine from PCP. Are we going to war, I asked. No, not you. But hey, you made it, right? This is called Brothers Part Two. Ten years later, in a dusty storage box, a picture of me and Fitz smoking Marlboro cigarettes with a letter from the Department of the Navy. Regarding your period of service under review, Cooper Vincent P., highest rank, corporal, education level 12, MOS 3432, said Marine was UA from his appointed place of duty said name Marine was caught by an NCO from the School of Infantry in an attempt to leave Camp Pendleton. To appeal this decision, get testaments from friends, co-workers, priests, or rabbis. Show evidence of sobriety. Your processing time is 14 months. I searched for him on Facebook for a testimony to reconnect and reminisce. No records found. Thank you. We're experiencing the poetry of Vincent Cooper. It's his new book, Infidelis. And we will make sure that you've got signed copies at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center in San Antonio. Of course, we're broadcasting live here from Houston, Texas. This is part of our network. And I'm going to remind listeners again, this is cutting-edge poetry, highest level of aesthetics. We've mentioned some of the barriers you're breaking. We're about to talk about some of the common ground, which is very obvious in the poems, but really hard-hitting hard-hitting imagery that I want to get into. And in fact, right now we've got uh, Carmen giving you a shout out. Uh, so powerful and important. I pre-ordered my copy of Infidelis. Please get yours. So thank you, uh, Carmen, for, for saying what a lot of us are thinking. And she's a big supporter of uh, the, the Latino bookstore and, and all good causes. But I do want to make another pitch to our listeners if you're experiencing this, few people have access to our community and culture. 
we want to make sure that you have it at your fingertip and you can share it. And if you think that's the way that it should always be, please do make a donation to Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven to say at kpft.org or 713-526-5738. Vincent, a little earlier, I mentioned some of the gaps in history that you were filling in, but I also think that your poetry is very powerful in that you have a lot of common ground. A lot of your imagery is not highfalutin. You know, you mentioned Nirvana in this one. Uh, Camp Pendleton is a household word, you know, in, in some families, in some vernaculars. And, you know, you even mentioned uh, some films as well. Tell us a little about how you work that into your, your poetry and what impact you think that has on folks. Yeah, so for, for this book, um, I wanted to make sure that I included uh, places and things that people can relate to and ex and you from experience. The film thing is actually, I, I sat down one day and I said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm someone who grew up with uh, men, mostly Chicano men who, who wrote, I'm sorry, who, who put on Apocalypse Now or Platoon or, you know, whatever war film, you know, there's always a constant war film playing and this, uh, you know, kind of fist in the air for for those films because they they show true to form or something that they experience. But what gets lost in it is definitely the tragedy. Uh, there's a lot of tragedy in those stories, and I remember I, I enjoy these films like Apocalypse Now. I don't know if you've seen it, but people um, people often quote uh, Robert Duvall's character, who's a shirtless guy on the beach and he's wearing like a confederate hat and he says I, I love the smell of napalm in the morning and it's a big quote everybody quotes it and they're always like yeah but i love the smell of napalm in the morning and i'm pretty sure if i'm talking to a crowd of vietnamese people they're not going to dig that <laughs> and so i took it upon myself to go with these quotes and and do my own kind of rebuttal uh, you can't handle the truth, you know, uh, from Jack Nicholson and a few good men. This is part of my, not gimmicky stuff, but, you know, I, I thought I would uh, add that in here so that people are like, I saw that movie, I know what he meant, and then here's the counter reaction to that uh, for Chicanos. Uh, I have to stress that this book is strictly really for, from me to Chicanos. It's not a love letter from me to Chicanos, but it's definitely a, an experience that I'm addressing to them uh, for this because they're the ones I grew up with. They're the ones who praise these sorts of things and, and they're for it. And, you know, this is my take on it, you know, now in 2023. Now, I myself, of course, identify as Chicano and proud to be Chicano. You build a lot of bridges with folks who may not understand all the nuances of that, or even if they are, Chicanex, Chicanas have to kind of revisit what some of that means. For folks that may not fully understand what it means to be Chicano, I want to make something clear. Though. I don't want to make it easier for folks to Google us. <laughs> but yeah. it obviously plays a huge role in your work. And for me, the, it's always powerful as an example of self-determination in that we have, to re, we have to recapitulate, rebuild our own histories, cultures. We have to find it. And, you know, to me... Yes, we're born Mexican-American, but it's so powerful that we have to decide 
to be Chicana or Chicano. Um, tell folks a little bit what that means for you. Um, and we could then extrapolate a little more about the role in the book, because I, I love what you're saying for, for our, our gente, it really does ring true, but I do want to let folks know, we just got done saying that you've got so many different references that are not just for high art that many people will get. But, but again, t tell me a little about what being ch Chicano means to you. So thank you for that. I mean, my name is Vincent Cooper and I'm, that's not my real last name, at least that's not my opinion. My dad was born Paul Orantes from East LA, Cal, you know, from East LA. And he changed his name prior to my birth in 1980. So I had to deal with the questions, you know, all my life. You, you look, you know, well, they'd say Mexican, right? You look Mexican, but you have a British last name. So, <laughs> You know, and, and I got teased a lot in school, got into fights, you know, a lot of bullying, a lot of issues and really boy named Sue kind of a vibe. And then it wasn't until years later, one of my cousins was doing um, like a play for Ruben Salazar, the, the journalist in L.A. Mm -hmm. at the uh, uh, in, in L.A. over there. And he kept saying Chicano, this is, we're going to this Chicano thing. And, and he kept saying Chicano, I'm like, Chicano. And he goes, I'm like, I actually said, what is that? And he goes, you, like you're a Chicano. <laughs> wow. And that was the first time anybody <laughs> ever said anything. Like my mother never said it. Nobody ever said you're a Chicano. When I heard it, I swear, I, I, I thought I was like crowned something. Uh, it, it was such a good feeling to be called that and to feel like I belonged to other people who felt the same way and the same skin tone and, and the same kind of life. So I, I've always loved the word. I've always said it proudly. Um, I've heard people tell me how much they hate the word and I'm completely offended by it. But um, to kind of like fast forward where I'm at now, uh, I know a lot of people have chosen other terms and things like that. And, and I'm not someone who's upset or gets huffy and puffy about it. Um, I'm not offended. For me, Chicanos are those, the gente in, in the 60s in East LA. Those are the famous, the real deal Chicanos doing the work, who did the work, who created the whole thing, who did all the marching, all the protesting. Those are the real Chicanos. And for me, I would only be in tribute to them, you know, I, I it, to to say that I am that. But for me, those are the real Chicanos, the ones that went through all the real hardcore struggles uh, and that. I'm not saying we don't go through struggles now, but when I think Chicano, I think them first. And what can I do to, to um, continue in that tradition of community and, and love for each other and all that. And my contribution is the writing, you know, to keep it alive in the writing. And I'm glad you mentioned some of the other terms. I, I want to make it clear as well. I, I identify as Latinx, Mexican-American. Uh, th there's so many other terms that, that I also embrace. But at the same time, the Chicano experience is vital to the entire civil rights movement as well. So I, I think that's always been forgotten. And you make a great point that a lot of us receive that knowledge one person at a time. And that's been kept from our youth. That's been kept from our community. So it's so powerful that that you uh, 
write about it and keep that going. I do want to tell our listeners, of course, they hear a lot about this. Um, again, my job will never be to make it easier to Google all of us. <laughs> and we've touched on all these terms before. And at the end of the day, great art defines our experience overall. So, so there's a lot to, to, uh, to touch on there as well. But I also want to talk about some of the imagery that you use because I think, too, folks may stereotype poetry as a certain type of writing but um you've got that whole image of squashing those cockroaches you know and it reminds me of you know uh, oscar say the costa the the you know, the cockroach people and and all of that uh that that also talks about the poverty that also says hey we got to get it done uh tell me a little more about that image and how you place those concrete images in, in your work do you do you have it at the outset does it just kind of pop up or later on you're like whoa that was that was pretty cool i'll keep it definitely so the roaches thing i i love i i i've always uh i wanted to add it to another poem in the book where 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 i'm like someone's holding some some picture and then you see the antennas of the roach come come up from behind <laughs> just as a reminder that you know the roaches were here before us and they'll be here after us <laughs> Um, I would say some of these things come up um, at the time of the writing, but I have one of the best editors in my wife, uh, Victoria Valenzuela. Who, Who's awesome. She's awesome. That I tell you what, the muses are flying around over your household, but yeah. And, and so she reads everything first. And so, I mean, she mm. should get a lot of credit for looking at eight pages of whatever I'm doing and then <laughs> cutting it down and cutting it down. And then, uh, you know, we look at these lines and, and you know, we, we really try to make them count, you know? So um, the editing process is, is, is huge for me because I'll have her do it first and then I'll have a team of people go through it, a couple of professor friends of mine and all that, um, just, to, just to kind of make sure we're still on a poetry tip uh, and not just somebody, you know, yelling on the page. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like this poem I'm about to read, uh, you know, I remembered the moment and then I just kind of closed my eyes and I saw it all again. And I just started writing every description, you know, that I could, you know, the, the people that were there, the, the, the scent of the air, everything. Um, so I, I put it out and then my edit editing team goes to work. That's fantastic. That's a lot of craft, a lot of hard work. So that all does reflect in the page and a lot of soul. So ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get three more poems from our guest today, Vincent Cooper. He's reading from his collection, Infidelis. If you want to get your hands on the book, you know how to order it on different online portals. But hey, if you want to help the community, you can also pick it up at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center in San Antonio. Hey, I'm talking to you from Houston, Texas. We're broadcasting at 100,000 watts on 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community station. And guess what? We got a monopoly on Chicano poetry on the FM dial, okay? If you want to make sure that you can keep hearing work like this, please make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say to KPFT by visiting kpft.org or dialing 713 Five two six five seven three eight. Vincent, the microphone is yours. 
I'm Vincent Cooper, and this is Infidelis. Full Metal Jacket is your favorite movie on Marine Corps boot camp. The accuracy of the Gunny and Gomer Pyle's rifle and mouth. Guys at Pendleton would jump the Constantine wired fence at night, run across the freeway and get hit by cars driving 80 miles per hour. Others fell down the hills to their deaths so they wouldn't have to become a Marine or go to war. Lots of suicide attempts, mijo. We are experiencing the poetry of Vincent Cooper. He's reading from his collection, Infidelis. And I want to remind folks, obviously it's available through your typical online portals. If you want to support Community Cultural Capital, his book is also available at the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, where I'm proud to serve as the literary curator. And, you know, as, as we wrap things up, uh, Vincent, I do really love the way you capture these realistic moments that perhaps can be taken for granted, overlooked, but means so many different things. I heard you read that first poem uh, out loud at the Latino bookstore. Very touching then, very touching to hear again. Can you share how much of that is, is real life? And how do you wind up picking the pieces to focus on? And how do you know when the, the memory goes on paper? So it, it's definitely all real. Um, the moment, that last moment that I saw my father, and that was the only time I saw my mother and father together. So I was four and I had no idea that they were breaking up and they were meeting in a public park because he was abusive. So my mother only felt safe being out in public. And um, so I didn't know all that, but the, the moment stayed with me because I remember being in the car looking out the window and then I woke up the next, like I passed out and then I was in New Mexico and then I was here in San Antonio and I was living with my grandparents. Um, so it's always stuck with me that, that, that moment where I left California where I'm from and I've been mostly in San Antonio my whole life and that was such a big, big moment for me and I've tried to write it in so many ways and, and it's just never worked out. And finally, I, I after I guess maybe my 10th try, mm. I, you get you get this poem here, you know? So uh, I think it works just to capture that moment. Uh, in this book, there's nothing but crucial poetic moments that led to decisions, you know, big, big life, you know, changing things. So I made sure to I, I had to relive it again. And, and, you know, even though I carry it with me, I had to relive it again and retype it out and re, 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 you know, go through the memory again and, and put it through moment by moment. And then my editing team, you know, comes in and pretties it up a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to dwell on that because you're also approaching your work in a way that isn't maudlin. It isn't, overly emotional it isn't you feeling sorry for yourself 
um, you're taking a deep look at some very powerful, heart-wrenching events, but in a very direct fashion. And I guess what I'd like to ask you would be, and this may seem obvious, so forgive me if it seems obvious, is that was it because it was such a heart-wrenching moment that it was hard to put on paper? And I imagine, like you say, this happened when you were young. This, this was something that occurred to you. And then maybe that is a powerful way for we as Chicano men to be able to encounter those painful moments as a catharsis on our term, our way, in a way that's still understated, so not over-emotional, but also deeply emotional in a different way. Um, that's kind of a broad question. Uh, yeah. Does that make uh, sense? Yes, it does. So uh, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was experiencing a lot of things young. Um, you know, I was molested young. I was, you know, just a lot of things that happened when I was a young, uh, you know, little kid. And I didn't really have anybody to go to. You know, my mother mm. was an old school boomer kind of person. And I grew up with them and, and this kind of uh, attitude where you couldn't really show your emotion that way. And so I grew up with a couple cousins that uh, one was an artist and the other one was a musician. And we were all compared for whatever reason people compare in families. I didn't have a talent. I, I didn't have <laughs> I, I was just a, a guy, a kid. And um, one day, one of my uncles died. And um, I thought I was pretty close to him, and he was very, it was very traumatic. And I just started writing about him, writing. I, I don't even know why. I just started writing, and I wrote pages and pages and pages. And afterward, I just felt, like, relieved a little bit. And then I kept writing, and I was 12, and I haven't stopped since. Wow. Uh, you know, I've just been reliving those memories and putting them on paper, kind of like in that oral you know tradition you know storytelling you know and i feel like i do that well and and i've done that with with my friends and people in public and 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 getting it on paper for me is crucial you know right now i'm knee deep in ancestry on the next book and mm. and i despise the poor documentation from the 1900s <laughs> but, uh, you know i'm gonna have i said when i was a teenager i was gonna write the story of my family and myself and I'm doing so in Reckless, Sasamora, Infidelis, and the next book, Orantes. Um, those four books is going to be the, the story of my family, maternal, paternal, from the revolution to me, you know, till now. And, you know, I hope people will see the experiences. A lot of people have told me, Tony, like, why do you put it out there? You know, why do people need to know that you were unfaithful in your first marriage or or in any way toxic. And I'm like, I think that's what we all do. We all write our story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or poetry, we're writing our experiences down. And for me, I, I don't have time to, you know, distort it in any way. Mm -hmm. I think if we're direct, it also helps with healing. I've had a lot of guys call, you know, call me and message me saying, man, that was real. You know, you, you laid it out. You put it real and I can read that and I can definitely relate to that as opposed to, you know, huge metaphor, maudlin, artsy poetry, mm -hmm. which they might get lost after two or three lines. You know, this is 
right on direct. You still have some, you know, some metaphor in there and, and some devices, but you know, I, I, I'd rather come raw and, and you know, hit the, hit them with the truth and, and the real the realness of the situation. And, you know, in closing, too, I think what you may also be revealing is how we as Chicano men can be brave, can be strong by sharing that. And I like what you brought up is that it's that shame that I think undermines our our power as individuals. And right now we're talking about guys. And, and maybe that is what happens if we don't share it that trauma builds in we take it out on others it leads to actual weakness so you know um perhaps for us to be fully proud we have to be vulnerable like that and and uh, i think your book is testament to those those things happened they eat away at us they, they take away from our courage if we hide them Right. Versus perhaps that is what the epitome of being a strong man is, is to confront them so that we don't impose them on others and, and can at least get that out of our system. And I'm sure you're inspiring others by, by being that brave and, and straightforward. Uh, what would you say to that? I definitely hope so, Tony, because this is one experience. Um, I can tell you right now that while I was in the military briefly, um, there were a lot of LGBTQ uh, community that, you know, had to deal with don't ask, don't tell, um, you know, the, the people that suffered far more on the daily having to conceal, you know, whatever the issue, you know, issues that were happening. A lot of people had it harder for me and probably do what I did, mm. uh, which is put it behind you, ignore it, uh, but, and, and, and never think about it again, you know, and when people, tell you all this military stuff and lingo and jargon and you just you kind of feel like ashamed or or whatever you know maybe those people will read read the book and be feel safe enough to tell their story or just enjoy the book as it is it's healing i hope it heals you know those people because i see you i'm an outcast i was an outcast in the marine corps and you know i i hope this book resonates with them would you be kind enough to close us out with one last poem the call and response. And if I die in a combat zone, box me up and ship me home. Put me in a set of dress blues, comb my hair and shine my shoes. Pin my medals upon my chest and tell my mama I did my best. Mama, mama, don't you cry. Marine Corps motto is do or die. U.S. Marine Cadence. The millions of skulls in the dirt, sands, and oceans of earth do not sing do or die. They would rather be alive, looking into their loved one's eyes. But the reality of war has eroded them. Population control, the killing business of humanity. The rich, white, are in the killing business, and business is good. Thank you. We've been experiencing the poetry of Vincent Cooper reading from his new collection, Infidelis. 
Of course, you can get it on any of your online portals, but you can also support Community Cultural Capital by visiting the Latino Bookstore at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center in San Antonio, where we'll have some copies. Of course, I'm broadcasting with our team here from Houston, Texas. This is Tony Diaz Libre Traficante. I want to give a shout out to our team. Roxana Guzman is our producer. Rodrigo Bravo is our sound engineer. Appreciate their help in getting this broadcast across all of our platforms. Also want to thank everyone at KPFT, Houston's Community Station, for their support and being one of our original platforms. And I do want to remind folks that this show is possible because of listener support. If we wait for corporate data, no one airs Chicana Chicano Lit on FM radio except us. So if we wait for others to do this, it ain't going to happen. We need your support to continue this. So we'd appreciate if you can make a donation in the name of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say to KPFT. You can visit kpft.org or call 713-526-5738. And thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support and we look forward to seeing you behind the book. Gracias. Gracias.